This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Side of the net by Neil Zoman. Go to Joshua is back to center. Chance for an on man rush. Joshua left wing. Drops to drives in the slot. Shoots. He scores. A quick goal in transition off the stick of Sheldon Dries makes it 4 0 Canucks. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Stutzla got it free to the left point for Nick Holden. Shot through traffic. He scores. Nick Colton beats Thatcher Demko over the glove, and the Senators cut the lead to two with 4.16 left in the third. It's now four. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks beat the Ottawa Senators 5-2 at Rogers Arena. The Canucks now on a four-game winning streak. And uh, an impressive performance at home might against one of the hotter teams in the league, as I'll have the hiccups all of a sudden. Uh, Canucks beating the Ottawa Senators. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And let's bring in uh, Brett Festerling into the conversation. And, Brett, I mean, you were mentioning this at the end. This team looks like it's maturing because it wasn't a cl- – clean first five or six minutes, right? The Canucks were giving up some scoring chances. They didn't play their best hockey. But outside of that, they essentially shut it all down. Now, Ottawa made a push and it was 4-0 towards the end. That's the score effects, obviously, in play. But the Canucks did a good job of growing into the game and then taking over the game. Yeah, exactly, right? You saw that first shift by Brady Kachuk came out very physical, tried to set a tone. They got a good scoring chance there. But Canucks did a good job of kind of like, okay, settle down, game, game time locking things up and then they just kind of got in their rhythm they got that first goal and then they, they they started pushing back a bit they were physical as well they didn't really let Ottawa push them out of the barn kind of to start so all in all pretty good complete game by by the Canucks a week removed from that uh, Toronto game where they were so physical throughout and that was the thing that was obvious and I would say JT Miller kind of being the guy doing that last week it was Tyler Myers setting the tone JT had five hits in the first period seven face-off wins in the first period and it was him kind of being that tone setter like we saw last weekend with Tyler Myers yeah exactly we mentioned that could that could chuck shift to start the game well I believe it was probably their second shift right away Miller came on got three hits against mm-hmm. Stutzel right he was kind of like okay if you guys are going to try this well we can play that game right back so and that is exciting to see Miller playing with that edge in a positive way, I think. So that was that was nice. Something to see. that's not destructive. Yeah, exactly, and something other guys can jump on. So that was good. I thought it was good. No, it was. I mean, JT's game obviously has been under the microscope, and a lot of discussions about can he play center or not, and he really has played effectively. And, and tonight, this is an Ottawa team that's been one of the hotter teams in the league. They played a lot better recently as well, and I think they showed a little immaturity tonight with their game. They kind of got away from it a bit. I think the Canucks did a good job of keeping them off their games. But this was not an easy opponent that they played tonight. And I thought JT, the way he controlled the game and the way Phil giuseppe has been able to play alongside him as well. I'm not quite what, sure what to make of the way Besser is playing, even if, alongside JT. But it really seems like it's PDG and JT that are kind of the duo right now on that line. Yeah, I think you're right. Miller like M- Miller showed, I mean, I don't want to use maturity again, but he's, sure, like, he's matured in that role and he's made some good 
uh, good plays down low as a centerman. And then him and Giuseppe, yeah, they've seemed to feed off each other a little bit more than Besser. To be honest with you, I haven't really noticed Besser that much. He's made a couple of good plays in the third uh, along the wall to keep it safe, which is kind of what we like. But, um, yeah, I like what I saw. You saw at the beginning of the period, Ottawa seemed to split that line up which had been going against Miller yeah. all night. So to me, that says that Miller did an effective job playing against them. Where is it starting for him? Is it in the offensive zone? Like, what has been the foundation of this flip for him, whether it be the last five games, 10 games, 20 games? Where is it starting for him? I think Batch had a good point. He talked about accountability in the in the pre, pre-game about him. And I think it comes down to maybe talk being accountable to talk it who was a power forward who played on that edge who had that emotion and you know, i'd like i think he's a great guy to emulate and look up to for miller and maybe kind of be molded by talk a bit so i mean i, I might be wrong mm-hmm. but i think that's a good start and a, and a respectful power forward that he can can emulate a, and learn from well and i think when we look at long term i still think this team is obviously one impact forward away and we've discussed this so much it there are guys that can be a third guy in the line with JT right now on this team. I'm not sure there's a guy that's, that's a true high-end duo with him. And we'll see ultimately if, if one of these guys does develop into that or not. Now, Andre Kuzmenko ends up getting two goals in the evening. And JT sets him up for the first one. And then the second one, uh, you know, Kuzmenko finds the empty net to get a second of, of the game. Now up to 32 on the season. It's really impressive to see how he's finding different ways to score. And he's getting some bounces as well. But... Like we were breaking down during the intermission, it's all in one motion. Gets the puck from JT and he scores. It just his level of confidence and how he handles the puck. It, it's really next level at this stage. Yeah, to get that puck, so it comes down like kind of a rim, right? And then Miller d- makes a beautiful pass because he doesn't mm-hmm. handle it. He just gets it out. But you know that thing's probably spinning. Mm-hmm. And then for Kuzmenko to get it and then backhand toe drag in the middle of four guys and completely deco the goalie and the player like that was a beautiful goal and the thing is is he's repeatedly done some of these goals where we're like whoa whoa you know he's showing some talent that's been really impressive and he keeps building on it now that's the thing right there's adaptation right it's not the same goal over and over we're seeing fractions of different versions of the goals yeah exactly and i don't know how he could possibly follow up next year for the pace he's setting because it's pretty impressive and i think the shooting percentage batch was mentioned was 26 percent or something but exciting to watch right now what is that toughest part of the first year to the second year like why do we call it the, the, the sophomore slump like what is that toughest part well a lot of his expectation especially in a city like this right? right like there wasn't like obviously there was some talent and he was coming over and there could be a good player here I think he's blown the doors off all those expectations mm-hmm. now to follow that up it's gonna be very difficult but I mean He's played very well. I think he's earned every cent of that contract, and I hope he continues this because it's fun to watch. No, it really is, right? And we see what Kuzmenko's done, and we saw his game tonight, and we talked about the higher end with JT Miller. And I thought Pedersen had moments where he was doing well defensively and created a little bit, but not like a standout game from him. But you want to talk about standout performances. How about that bottom six? And, and looking at the way Dakota Joshua played tonight and Niels Oman, I mean, those guys really had a cooking. And Dakota Joshua showed his confidence, obviously, his hands and, and all that. But I, I thought he was really strong in the second half of this game. Yeah, he, they, he was and they were. And the thing that I liked the most is they came on in times in the game when Ottawa was pushing. I thought Ottawa had the momentum in both of those goals where they came on 
got the momentum back and then got a scoring opportunity and took advantage of it. So that was impressive to me that they were able to do that. And then that in turn was just going to get them more respect and confidence from the coach to put them on situations like that. They feel like they have just poise on the puck too. It's not just reckless, put it in deep, yeah. let's go crash some bodies. They're effectively moving the puck through the three zones and trying to create as well. And that's the thing that always blows me away, especially with uh, Dakota Joshua. The, the pass to Dries, like we've seen him do that time and time again. This time he gets converted here. Yeah, and just the fact that those guys can do – like what are they making? They're making 750. 800K, and, yeah. Right? So you got 10 and 9 goals or 10 and 10 or whatever it is from that bottom line. It's, it's impressive. And the fact that you're right, they're not one-dimensional players. They're showing other dimensions mm -hmm. where they can contribute in multiple ways, which is only going to – be a you know a positive for them on this team long term to show that they can they can be those different players for talk and for the organization. Well, and yeah, in guys that can def in, in defined roles, and one of the things this organization has to find too is, hey, it's great that you're making the team better by getting guys like Philip Peronik, but he's a guy who has one year left on his contract, then he's going to get paid, right? And we look at Pedersen's going to get paid a, paid a big contract. Kuzmenko just signed his extension. Miller's contract's kicking in the next year. And, yeah, they'll find a way to move some money out. But what they also need is some, some guys coming through on either entry-level contracts or finding some diamonds in the rough, whether that's a Dakota Joshua type or somebody else who can come in and give them higher levels of play, especially next season, at lower rates. And that's how you start getting closer to being a playoff team. Can you get some of these guys that are at, at the lower end getting paid a bit cheaper? And could Niels Ullmann be a guy who, for the next two years – on a cheap contract that can actually provide you maybe a third-line center play in a year or two. We, these are the types of guys this team also really needs to come through and be more than what they are right now. Yeah, in the salary cap era, you really, especially now, you see you see the elite talent really getting paid to a higher percentage of, of yeah. the total there. You really, really need those bottom six or whatever they are, low-paid guys to play above their contracts. You absolutely need that. I mean, the first one uh, teams I like dynasty I can remember doing that with Chicago had all right. those young guys right in, if you go into like Bufflin and Ladd and for Stieg and all those kind of guys that were getting paid low salaries but they were playing like you know four or five time multiples of what they're actually getting paid so you definitely need that for for success to win a Stanley Cup uh, we haven't really talked about Thatcher Demko uh, <laughs> it's just so strong when you got the stud back there and, and you would have played in front of uh, J.S. Shiger and, and just when a veteran goes in and that's the guy, like what does it do for the rest of the squad? Yeah, we've talked about that. It just, it's just such a calming influence. Mm -hmm. It's so – in the D zone, it just – right? Like if you look back into December, there was just – right? It was just – it was a beehive. Everybody mm -hmm. was flying everywhere and it was chaos. And, mm -hmm. and then when Thatcher's – his ability to just kind of suck pucks in or deflect them into the corners and not really drop pucks in that that dangerous zone. You just see guys, one, be able to be more aggressive on the walls, but also just relax in front, right? They're just, like, more worried about the guy than they are the puck, which which is so evident. He's so good. Is there a confidence then from the goalie to say, hey, I'm the guy and communicate? as well oh yeah because I'm, I'm always curious about that from a goal especially some of the young guys that we saw here and guys that are you know less than 100 games how much are they talking with their decor as well yeah huge in the game and and hopefully in practice right. as well right so so for me i'll speak personally jiggy talked non-stop he was a parrot on your shoulder you didn't have to think half the time when you're coming back because he 
was letting you know what was going and who was open. So always doing that. And then on practice too, he was he was telling me, okay, go here, go here, stop here, certain things. So yeah, it's a, it's a very important. Uh, let's go outside the Canucks locker room. We're joined by Dakota Joshua. Two points on the evening tonight, uh, helping the Canucks win 5-2 over the Ottawa Senators. And, and Dakota, we've been chatting with you more and more as the season goes on because, you know, you're putting together better and better performances. How did you feel about the way your team was able to kind of handle that early pressure from Ottawa and then take the game over? Yeah, that was nice. They, uh, they came out of the game hot. Um, we responded well and uh, got things going our way. And then uh, it was a pretty solid game till the last uh, 10 minutes there. And then they started to, to make that push at the end. But uh, we stayed with it, and that was a, it was nice to get the two points tonight. Is it nice to see the offensive game start to uh, come around now? Eight assists on the year, and uh, guys are uh, converting your chances. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's always nice, and uh, it's always a, a good bonus uh, along with the the two points that that matter. Well, and, you know, in terms of like getting that confidence, one thing that's very obvious is like you got great hands, you have a lot of talent as well. Do you feel like you're showcasing that more, or do you kind of just feel like just getting into more of a rhythm is what's really allowed you to uh, get your game to the level it's at right now? Um, I would say a little bit of both, obviously. Um, it just comes with, with opportunity, and then once you get that opportunity, making the most of it. So uh, lately I've, I've been able to do that a lot more. But, uh, yeah, obviously building confidence throughout the year and, and feeling more comfortable and comfortable every game uh, goes a long way. And obviously towards, towards the end of the season here, um, um, I'm, I'm feeling good about my game. From our vantage point, it just feels like every game the team feels quicker. What about from your vantage point? Like, is it – Everyone's starting to gel and, and understand what's trying to be yeah, yeah here. Yeah, I think Talk's come, come in and done a good job on letting everybody know what's what's expected and what everybody's job is every night. So uh, there, there's no second-guessing or, or questioning uh, what, what needs to be done out there. And then um, it's been nice to, to see when we're doing the right things, we get the results. And so it goes a long way in the room. And, um, you know, like I said for myself, you know, you start to feel more and more comfortable every game you can see that happening with our team and it's starting to turn into more wins here uh you want to give some praise on your guy nils oman as well because he uh continues to stack performances as well i'll praise 88 any day of the week yeah he's uh had a great game and he's he's been very very good as of late and uh he's a great guy and uh a pleasure to play with every night hey dakota thanks for your time uh good job on the victory tonight and hopefully we'll chat again soon sounds good talk to you guys later you got it that's dakota joshua canucks forward two helpers on the evening helping the canucks win one helper on two no two two, two helpers two helpers helping the canucks win five two over give the him Ottawa his flowers Center. I know, give, give him his flowers and uh brett uh, before we give you your flowers take home uh, this evening just final thoughts on how this Canucks team is kind of coming together right now, and I know a lot of and a lot of fans are texting in and, and saying, "Why did they? Why didn't they keep Boudreaux? They were doing such a perfect job of tanking, <laughs> right?" Uh, and this one from Marty the Red: "Time for a new banner. We win meaningless games." So, I mean, that's the overall sentiment. But is there something tangible you take away from these improving performances by the team? Well, I mean, I think they. It needs to be a point to make it tangible for these guys to carry this forward. Right. They're right. The, you can't allow these to be meaningless games. Because mm -hmm. right, you're right. Wins in these games, if you don't make them count as stepping stones for next year or for, for the leadership group or for Demco or for talks kind of gelling with the team, then it is a waste. So, so they're kind of right. You need to make these count, and these need to be tangible lessons that they can carry forward to next year and picking up in camp and start the year right, not the, like, let's feel it out for the 
six weeks thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Brett, great stuff calling the game alongside Brandon Basher. We look forward to having you on again next weekend. Thank you. All right, that's Brett That's Brett Festerling. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. It's Satyar Shaw with Vic Nazar. Canucks win 5-2 over the Ottawa Senators. And we'll take some of your text messages and your phone call, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. A quick goal in transition off the stick of Sheldon Dries makes it 4 nothing Canucks before the seven minute mark of the third period. Canucks go on to beat the Senators 5-2 here at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650. And we'll get to your phone calls in just a moment. So hold on to your phone lines and we'll get there. And uh, before we get to head coach Rick Tockett, who's yet to speak with the media, but when he does, we'll get that to you as soon as we can. But the text inbox pick after yet another win, four in a row by the Vancouver Canucks, has it buzzing. The takes. The inbox is literally on fire. My laptop is melting down. The takes, hot takes. Where should we start? Travis and Squamish. The tankest in me hates this winning streak, but it's great seeing JT playing lights out, scoring, hitting, fighting, passing shorties. He's doing it all. Captain worthy, Travis in Squamish. 650-650. Tone Capone. I feel like these wins will stop management from making major changes next year. They will think this team can make a run in the playoffs. Not good for the end result of assembling a team that can make a real run for the Stanley Cup. Tone Capone texting in 650-650. Well, uh, the thing, it's it's pretty clear even, even before this run that they believe they can turn this team around quicker. Obviously, look, look at the uh, heroic deal. But I don't think they're going to look at this and say, we got to hold on to Brock Besser. We got to hold on to Myers. We got to hold on to Connor Garland necessarily. I mean, I thought Garland had a pretty good game. Not trying to downplay anything he did, but even the other guys we mentioned, Myers had a bit of a rough one at times tonight. I mean, bad giveaway early, get, gets caught up ice a few times. He has a Myers night. I don't think this front office looks at this team and says they're the finished product. I'd still say, as much as Tone has a point in terms of maybe they believe in the roster more than you know most fans do, of course. I don't think they're, say, fooled by certain players or trying to move. Selective them. belief? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they believe in, obviously they believe in Pedersen, yeah. Hughes, you know, Demko and Kuzmenko and JT, Mikheyev, and these guys who they brought in. And they want a guy Hironik who fits into that. These are the guys they believe in, obviously. And Dakota Basically, Joshua. their guys and the ones that they've doubled down on. Yeah, and the guys, like, yeah. And the, even, the, the previous regime players? Yeah, and, and even with Brock Besser, they even mentioned that, hey, Maybe the best thing for him is to play better because unless he plays better, it's going to be hard for us to find a market for him. So I don't think their opinion has necessarily changed on a number of guys that are looking to move. The question is how much of that can you actually get done? And that's something they have to get done this offseason. I broke out a phrase. You weren't on Connect Central yesterday. Okay, but I broke out a phrase. Yeah. PBSD. PBSD? Post-bedding stress disorder. 
<laughs> and I feel like like tone texting in, and and there's sentiment of that. It's not just tones text coming in. I feel like that's like it, it's a real concern, okay? And it's something that we saw in the previous regime. But I think you need to do that thing where you just like take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah, take the just, stress away for a second. You live in a new era, okay? And I'm not saying like this management group's not perfect. I'm not preaching that. I'm just saying the sins of the past don't, ne- no, don't necessarily exist today. And that PBSD, you just gotta just gotta let it go. You I mean you do have to let stuff play out a little bit? And I understand people say you people always say let it play out, let it play out, but they're different characters involved. I'm there just saying let go of the past. Uh, yeah, and there are different principles involved, you know, and I'm with you, but it's hard. You know, people, people, they have the PBSD, the post-bending stress <laughs> disorder right now. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Before we break the game down more and get to the head coach, let's get to the phone boards and let's start in Coquitlam where we have Gord on the line. Gord, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Gord. Hello? Yes. Hello? Yes. I'm here. Okay, sorry. Yeah, just a couple things really quick. I uh, love the way the Canucks uh, are playing. Really quick comment about retooling versus rebuilding. I think the Canucks are doing the right thing by retooling. You've got a franchise center, franchise D-man, franchise goalie. You don't rebuild when you have that. If you do, those are the first pieces you, you, you trade away for picks because by the time the next crew comes up, these guys – will be too expensive to afford plus the next crew. So retooling is the right way to do it. Now, having said that, we do have a, a lottery pick this year. It's in our best interest to have the highest pick possible because I think this person, if it's low enough, could be that young center if it's a, if it's a low enough pick that could fill into the roster and be a part of that retool. Having said that, I personally would like to see people like Jake Kupski, as our goaltender from Abbotsford, come up. Love to see Jet Wu. Love to see Carson Falk and Michael Ragush all come up. In fact, Jet Wu, he'd be great for the Asian market. What a great marketing tool that would be. In fact, he could be the tank commander. And we've got to sit down that anti-tank missile in, in Kuzmenko. Okay? This is how we need to move forward. Uh, hey, thanks thanks for the phone call, Gordon. I just don't think that's going to happen. I just don't think they're going to call up Michael Ragouche. Does he, is, he even un, does, does, is he even on an NHL contract? I don't think he's got an NHL contract. I think contract. he's got an AHL contract. So Some think, of those do have NHL contracts. Yes. Uh, Carson and, uh, do you say, Danilo Klimovic as well? Yeah, Kupski definitely does not have yeah. an NHL contract. So, I mean, for them Jet to bring Wu does. Jet Wu does, however. So, I mean, some of them they could bring up. Some they would have to sign. And the ones they sign, they would have to put, put on waivers. Does anybody claim <laughs> But like, so, why add to the contract when you're trying to bring NCAA free agents right now? And novel thoughts, Gord. It's, yes. it's just not going to happen. All right, let's continue on the phone boards. Uh, let's go to Grand Prairie where we have Travis on the line. Travis, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Not bad. Uh, this team, every time they have a chance to have a high lottery pick and the playoffs <laughs> are way out of reach, they play lights out. It's amazing to watch. Like, people talk about the 70s Habs being amazing, the 80s Oilers being amazing, which I got to see. No way. They don't hold the candle to Canucks when they're out of playoffs and looking for high draft lotteries. And it's not just the players. Like, now they're making amazing decisions with the puck. They're skating hard. The coaches are making the right calls. I think the management jumped the gun way too early to get these uh, new coaches in. Everybody knew there was going to be a bump, and now they're bumping themselves out of those top five picks, who apparently are supposed to be amazing. 
And as a Canucks fan, a long-suffering Canucks fan, it's frustrating to see them in purgatory. Not good enough for playoffs, but not bad enough for high draft picks. And they do it themselves every single year. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the phone call, Travis. And that, that's a sentiment, Big, that is very much being echoed on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and Jay and Poco is coming after us. Does everyone remember Satin Bick saying all this winning was unsustainable and eventually <laughs> they would start losing? Pepperidge Farm Pepperidge. remembers. <laughs> uh, so... When yeah. would we have said that? This was well. I mean, hey, I, this to was, be fair, like that was when they beat like Columbus. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I still don't think they're gonna keep winning as much as they are, but they're they're getting it <laughs> done the way. Let's up. double it, let's triple it down. down. I'm just we don't care it. at all. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, honestly, Jay, keep taking notes. <laughs> Jay, you're gonna keep hammering us, and the, these words are not gonna age very well. But they are finding ways to win, right? And I was surprised that uh, how they, how well they played outside the first five or six minutes I, tonight. I, I mean, think the really surprising part of tonight was how little resistance Ottawa, yeah, they continued tried to put up. It was, it was, it was almost like when JT decided to run Stutzler a few times and got away it. with it, and that was over. It was like, yeah. all right, we're we're packing it in for, for the evening. I've complained so many years about like when the other team raises their level, what do the Canucks do? And so tonight, like it happened early on, Kachuk physical early. JT, physical early, sustained it through the rest of that period. And that was really about it as far as the pushback from the Ottawa Senators, which was really surprising. There was, like, stick work. Yeah. But as far as actually bringing some spirit and some spine into the game. No, they never did. It really never materialized. And, and Brady Kachuk tried, you know, fending yeah. off Tyler Myers, and there was a fight. But I turned to you at about midway through the third period and said – is this the single best defensive performance we've seen from the Canucks? And then, like, you know, there was some chaos towards the end. It was chaos. In the but for a good, like, 40-minute stretch of that game, the Canucks essentially snuffed out the Sens, which was something mm-hmm. – it's a good team, a team that's been hot. Like, you know, they played well. It was one of the things that they did. So if you keep doing those sort of things, yes, I still have my doubts ultimately. And, I mean, they won a couple of these games too in, the, on, in this streak here where it's kind of gone their way. But Thatcher Demko is pretty good. I, I honestly, my biggest miss here is thinking Demko needed more time to get better. I just thought yeah. Demko's going to come in. He wasn't good to start the year, fighting off an injury, missed 35 games. He's probably going to have struggles. I don't think he's going to be at his level. And not only has he not struggled, he's playing at, at about as high a level as you can imagine Demko playing at. And that's been completely unexpected, at least from, from my perspective on this. One benefit, too, has been the fact that they're playing some of these games at home. Teams are... Going through that Western road trip, obviously Ottawa doing it right now. They went to Chicago, went to Seattle, come here. And so, you know, the travel gets some legs here, and that could be part of the reason why, you know, some teams that have cycled through here, obviously Toronto was yeah. playing a bunch of games. What's that next gear for teams after you've been through some travel? And is it tough to play, you know, three and four nights? Although Ottawa didn't really have that problem as far as overload on the schedule, but they play tomorrow in Calgary. But that's an element here, too. And, you know, this place should be a home ice advantage for the Vancouver because we always talk about the travel for Vancouver going to other cities. It's tough to come out here, too. And under normal circumstances where you're not chasing the end of a season, you should be productive on home ice. And early on in the year, they just weren't. No, they certainly weren't. Uh, a lot of reaction coming in on our text inbox. 650-650, Greg and Castlegar. Tonight's game was not meaningless. An Ottawa loss helps keep the Sens further from the playoffs and the Islanders closer to getting in the playoffs. 
regarding the pick there that's go. going to the Islanders. If the Islanders make the playoffs, then it's going to be a pick in the late teens, perhaps even in the 20s, depending on how things go. We got uh, a text here. We're just talking about Thatcher Demko. I didn't realize we're, you know, he was going to be this strong this yeah. early uh, from his return. Mackenzie saying, I'm 11 years old, so thank you for texting in. Uh, I'd like to ask you, do you think Demko is a good enough goalie to get us to the Stanley Cup? I think he is a good enough goalie to get to a Stanley Cup and win a Stanley Cup. The question is, can the team around him be good enough for him to be able to do that? And that's the question. Like when, Whenever we're having these conversations of, oh, this guy's a top six guy, this guy's a top four, it's rooted in the idea of, is this guy qualified in that role to get you to the place you want to go? And you start checking some boxes here. Is Elias Pettersson a good enough first-line center? Check. Is Quinn Hughes a good enough D-man? Number one D-man. Check. Thatcher Demko. Check. Is JT Miller enough of a point-producing top six player? I think so, and I know that's put in some qualifiers on it, but I, his versatility leaves it undefined of what role he's going to be when the Canucks get to that stage. I firmly believe he could be on a second line and drive a line and produce points for you. So then, Guzmanku, is he his goal scoring? Check. What do we got? Five? Start knocking these down. You probably want to get to at least nine. Yes. That's where you start looking and say, okay, there's the bones of what we have here. Well, and, you know, you still need another big-time forward. Mm -hmm. You need a couple of defensemen. Philip Perone is going to fill into that, hopefully, in, in a certain way. And then you piece it together. A lot more work to do, but in the short term, the best way for you to maybe get one of those high-level talents is – in the draft. And I get it why people like call and text in and say, of course, they go on another end of the year winning streak when it's meaningless to crap on the draft position, short term thinking. Uh, and Jamie from Prince George. Canucks clearly have their eyes on 17th place. Where, what is management doing? This team is a complete joke. So you get a lot of that as well coming into the text inbox, but also fans who are really enjoying the victories with what's going on. All right, uh, keep the thoughts coming into the text inbox. We'll get to some of those. Let's go back to the phone board to get one more phone call in here. And uh, we are going to Nathan in Vancouver. Nathan, thanks for calling in. And what do you have for us tonight? Hello, boys. Hey, man. Hey, I got 1%, so I might lose you guys here. <laughs> All right, out of boy. How about that JT Masterclass tonight, boys? What do you think about that? Three hits in one period, or uh, one shift there, boys. Goal and assist. He's really helping me out in fantasy tonight. Can't <laughs> lie with that. Man, he's just been killing it. Drafting him first overall may have been a little mistake, though. Uh, Demko, man, that puck tracking is phenomenal. Like, he's just getting right out of the injury, and he's god tier already. He's ruining our tank. All right, boys. I got to be honest here. What is management doing? Like, I totally agree with all the other callers. Just, just keep Boudreau. Like, you get a guy. You have better chance to get a guy from the lower mainland who's going to sell you thousands of more tickets. And I know what you guys are going to say. You want to get the better habits and with Rick Talkett, right? But, like, 10 games to go, you can make the change, right? Like, I don't know. What are you guys thoughts on that? Thanks for hey. having me on. Hey, thanks for the phone call, Nathan. I mean, and also – Thanks for saving your last 1% for us. Oh, he, he That's hanged. massive. He hung that on. is like the, the one phone call in jail. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm going to call Satin Bick on the postgame show. Yeah. That's huge. I have one I have one call left. I don't know what's going to happen Nothing? tonight. Okay, what fight's harder, the, the last 1% or the Canucks in meaningless games? <laughs> That's a good one because that last 1% will fight. The, the last 1% on is the life. hardest percent to knock off. You know what it is? It's kind of like I, I don't know if gas tanks are like the old ones where like when you hit empty, you still have another 10% <laughs> the reserve, the reserve kicks, reserve in. kicks in. It's like what's the reserve actually on the battery life? Uh, but, I mean, to Nathan's point, one of the things that we said, 
hey, I was all for a coaching change because, I mean, that, hey, we said Boudreaux's not getting answers. Our thing was, why now? Why not wait? Sure, and that's fair, right? Why not wait longer for it mm-hmm. to happen? But but clearly, management has you know different ways of looking at it. At this stage, there's nothing you can do. You know, I know, I know you've been talking about this as well. Like, sure, they added Heronic at the deadline, but they traded a bunch of guys. They shut some guys down, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they slow played. Demko was supposed to be out for four to five weeks. He missed 35 games, you know? Like, look at the roster. Look at the injuries they have. Barrick probably could play. They're not rushing him back. I don't know if management could do a lot more at this stage to, to help the tank. Is it maybe to talk to head coach Talkett and, and have Demko play fewer games down the stretch or whatever? But that's essentially it. But... It's just one of those things where it is what it is. This is this especially it. it's it's tough because because maybe there should have just been a bigger declaration of this is how we're doing things. We'll make this decision then, and maybe you kept it a bit more internal. But remember, like we have to go back to January. Remember how crazy January was as far as it was day to day. Yeah. With Bruce, is he here? Is he not? Is he here? Like we went a full weekend. We're like, what's going on? And then the whole loving, like the coach. We, Everybody knew the coach was done, and he coached the game, and the fans were like, Bruce, there it is, and cheering on Bruce, and it was an odd sentiment here in Rogers Arena. That once it, and Again, they screwed it up, okay? They screwed it up and let it get away from them. But once it got away, they kind of had to make a decision. I'm sure they would have loved to have tried to drag it on into late February, but at some point it just got ridiculous, and you had to try to put a stop to it. Um, they, they completely got away from them, that whole situation with Boudreaux, right? I mean, it absolutely... Would there have been a better time? Like, I mean, Would late February have been the better time? Yeah, but I mean, at that point, it got to a stage where everybody was saying, you got to get rid of this guy now, why are you letting him... The best thing you could have done was given him a false vote of confidence in, like, December. Or, like, mm-hmm. sorry, like, in November, say, hey, he's our guy. Like, we believe in him. I know we said some stuff, but he's our co- coach until the end of the year. Especially and that, that would have patched it over for a couple of months at least. Yeah. And everyone kind of quiets down. You know, you gave him the vote of confidence. That never happened. But, hey, hey, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I don't know how productive it is to keep going over these things. We've, mm-hmm. we've spoken about it so much. But this is where this team finds itself at, right? The only thing you can hope for, honestly, is that these results this time around are not meaningless. That you are establishing habits that next year when we start the season, we're talking about a team that began this rise last year when head coach Rick Taka took over, right? So many people are yelling at the radio. But that's, that, that. But no, but that's what I'm saying. That's like, what I want to see. That's what we said last year. I, I agree. That's but what we said the year before. You can do two things, right? You can do two things. That's what we said in 2014. You can do two things, right? You can do the one, or you can do three things and say, you mean, you, you can do th- one thing you can say is like, they're doomed for failure. That's yes. They're going to fail. It's not going to happen. We've seen it before. Woe is us. Sky's falling. Screw it. What's the point? Right? You can do that. The second thing you can do is let it play out. Mm-hmm. Honestly. like, And I'm not even saying like let it play out because it's a different management team, a different vision, and different principles they've had in place in terms of a Pedersen they can build around, Demko they can build around, you know, Quinn Hughes they can That's build the around. Thing. There's very little margin for error. When with this group now you're trying to put this into a winner within a couple of years, it's not going to be easy to do. It's not impossible, but there will be a lot of things that have to get done. And for any of this to matter, Bick, they're going to have to apply this to next season. Like if if this fails next fall, if we're sitting here next fall talking about meaningless games last year, fooled everybody again, it's going to be devastating. Here's the thing, and the the difference between this year and last year was, even last year, like, there were massive warning signs. It was like, wow, Thatcher Demko. Like, every postgame show stat last year was, wow, Thatcher Demko's incredible. 
stopping all these breakaways and all these two-on-ones. Unreal. The last little bit, some of that stuff's cleaned up. Now, it's, it's still happening, and people are going to be like, hey, we saw a bunch of early yeah. two-on-ones. I might chalk it up to Guillaume Breezewell being in the lineup, Kyle Burrows, Tyler Myers, Christian Willanen. It's it's they need to move that group out. If they come back with the same decor, if they did what they did last year, and they said, hey, same decor, let's see what happens, everyone should be concerned. And well, everyone's complaints right now are valid. Absolutely. I mean, if you come back, I mean, it says, I have, can't. I don't believe they will. Well, I, I hope don't, not. I don't believe that they're, and, and I'll throw Noah, Noah Jolson's name there as well. Like, there's five D-men that play tonight. What's the over-under on how many of these guys play game one next year? No, and, and uh, honestly, one like point five is the over under yeah. of all these players, maybe one and of them. So breaks. if they make those improvements, the thing that can carry over is the philosophy of all the X's and O's. But the idea that the confidence will carry over is false. Like that is tough to sustain as you go into the summer. Oh yeah, I mean, the team has to be strong enough. The confidence is not what matters. The only thing that matters to me is the fact that, from a playing style standpoint, they have new foundations to how they play. That you have to adhere to, and, and, if, and last year there were warning signs. They like, were you can't keep doing this because they're essentially playing like let's just kick quick ups and let's try to do everything we can to score, and we'll just try to defend a bit better. And they did they do things better, but there was no real system in place in terms of structured play that made sense and that could be sustainable beyond you know hot streak. And that's what was concerning. That's the thing that you are to some extent establishing now, but. As much as this blue line, and I see people texting, and this one says, it's crazy how the AHL guys on the back end are doing better than OEL and company. Buyout, that's from Pretzelbug texting in. And and we'll see with the buyouts, right? But the one thing I would caution everybody at is tonight, Quinn Hughes played 28 minutes and 47 seconds. Tyler Myers played 21 minutes and 9 seconds. Christian Willanen, 15 minutes. Noah Juleson, 16 minutes. Kyle Burrows, 12 minutes and 35 seconds. Guillaume Brisois, 16 minutes. These are guys you can play. You can't play like this. You can't have Quinn Hughes play 25 to 28 minutes every single night, and all and all your and four defensemen are playing under 20 minutes. That's you're that's not like you know we say hey sustainable like that's not a sustainable way of playing hockey. You know these guys aren't the answer. Like they're doing a good job. They're good depth. I like it. But in these games, they can't play more than 16, 17 minutes a game, right? Oh, like I can hear the people shouting. Be like, that's what you said last game. No, I'm saying and they're going not. on a four-game winning streak. I, they are, but it's four, yes. sure, four or five games. You yeah. tell me a whole season of Quinn yeah. playing 28 minutes a game? That's a problem. Again, structurally, the things you're doing, that can be sustainable. This type of deployment is not on how you're playing your back end. And that's fine for the moment, but this is not the long-term answer here. It's not. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Justin the Coots, the movie title for this season is definitely Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. That's just in that's the That's an Coots. elite movie. That's an incredible, that's incredible reference from uh, Just in the Coots. Uh, all right. Uh, let's take one more phone call before we go to break and get to head coach Rick talk. And let's go to Burnaby where Kevin is on the line. Kevin, thanks for calling in. Now, what do you have for us tonight? Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Good, man. Okay, anyways, um, first of all, i got to start off by saying I, I'm about 50 years old, and when I grew up, Rick Tockett was my favorite player, and I was always <laughs> a Canucks fan, though. But, so that's awesome. So that's good yeah. karma. Second of all, I can't believe how he's changed 
a JT Miller role. This is this is like night and day. Like the last year, I would be talk. I played ice hockey my whole life, so I know hockey. And I was like, he's at least going to give three or four bad passes away every single game. We'd be so frustrated. He's changed him completely into game a role completely, which is a role that on open market everybody wants that player. Hundred percent. Everybody's going to want that guy, defensive forward, uh, def- uh, center, shutdown guy, hits, fights, scores goals. Everybody wants them. So uh, kudos to talk it. But my secondary point is that I think you might be wrong. Whoever said about that, these young guys coming up from the AHL might not be the ticket. Burrow guys like Burrows. Yeah. When they have a system in place and you mix them in with like the Hughes and the new guy coming up, that guy they got from the trades. It's it's good. That's what you need. Everybody buys in. You got to roll, and I think that's that's the way to go. Because I've seen I've won championships and I've seen people win them. So that's all I got to say. All right, take care, guys. Bye bye. Thanks for the phone call, Kevin. Um, I mean, again, Perron coming in is going to help out. It's going to move one of these guys out. I just don't think that next season we're going to see Noah Juleson, Guillaume Brisebois, and these guys playing meaningful minutes for this team. And that, that's all I'm saying. And if you look at the deploy, they're doing a good job. They are, but you're not. They're not asking much of them right now. Here's the thing, they're they're playing phenomenally, right? And they deserve the credit. And it's nice to find depth in your organization. It's never a bad thing to have functional players. But do you want to chase good enough, or do you want to chase great? That's why you give up a first round pick for Philip Ronick and another top yes. forty pick. That's why you should go find the high end and push the ceiling. If there's injuries, hey, these guys can play a run of games. They've shown that. And some of these guys have shown, hey, I can play six games in the NHL. We have systems that are linked between the AHL and the NHL. I can fill a role. If you want to explore the upside to get this to where you want this to go, we're talking Stanley Cups here. Like, That's the only conversation I want to have. Of Does this guy push you towards a Stanley Cup? If you're in the Western Conference Finals or second round and you got to play Edmonton and you're going to put some of these players out for 20 minutes against Connor McDavid, how comfortable do you feel? And what? and that's the that's the question you constantly have to ask yourself. If this guy's got to play two-minute shift against Connor McDavid, how do you feel? Exactly. And it's one thing to be organizational depth and be the sixth defenseman, seventh defenseman, you know, fight for your spot, and another to be saying, let's thrust these guys into big-time roles. And I hope one or two of them becomes that and they have the opportunity. I just pumped the brakes on. You have one NHL defenseman right now, and Quinn Hughes, and the rest, and you can go on with this. The way it's going, great. It's not going to work long-term, at least not the way it's going this way. But give Cal Burroughs credit. You know, he fought tonight, dropped the gloves. He's brought nothing but toughness on the back end for this Canucks team. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll get to more of your text messages. We'll keep analyzing this 5-2 victory for Vancouver over Ottawa. And we're here from head coach Rick Tockett as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central Post Game Show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Daniels, Oman clearing up the near boards. Now here's a turnover, two on one for the Canucks. Miller, in front for Oman, back to Miller, he scores! Another shorthanded goal for JT Miller. And the Canucks take a 2-0 lead. Canucks go on to beat 
The Ottawa Senators 5-2 here at Rogers Arena. And this is the Connect Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line if you like, 604-280-0650. Now, we are going to get to head coach Rick Tockett coming up in just a moment. And we will get to Canucks players a bit later as well. Um, as the show goes on, as we always do, coaches on every single post game show. Every single post game show, we have players on as well. We had Dakota Joshua on right after the game uh, to talk to us after having two points and helping the Canucks win tonight over at the Ottawa Senators. But Bick, what else is popping on the text inbox? Six fifty, six fifty. This one unsigned. Coach Tockett keeps preaching rest of season is an assessment period. Yet he plays Hughes and Myers twenty five minutes a night and a handful of forwards. A lot. How is that assessing the roster when players are riding the pine? He's doing exactly what Coach Boudreaux did, and I do not see the light at the end of the tunnel next season. With Canucks luck, this D-man from Detroit coming here injured is not a good sign. No other team would trade for a player who is injured. Why do the Canucks do this, especially with a track record of misdiagnosing players over the years? Well, I will say teams trade for injured players all the time. Yes. Shea Weber just got traded. Yeah. Well, like the Arizona Coyotes are the most notorious team in the league for trading players that are injured. Yeah, they also don't want to pay anybody, so that's why they do it. It's a little bit different. Sure. It's a little but, bit different. But, but players, Dif- but players different motivations. Play, traded they when they're injured. They do. They, it does happen. Uh, different motivations for different teams, however, when players are injured. All right. Uh, we'll get to more text messages, but as we mentioned, and here is the head coach, Rick Tockett, after the Canucks win 5-2 over the Senators. And he's asked about uh, how they played tonight. Well, I thought it was a great game for us. You know, so it's a desperate team over there, a lot of good players. And, uh, you know, right from, you know, I, I thought uh, maybe a couple of minutes of the start, where, you know, other than that, I thought we were ready to play. It came hard those first couple of minutes. Didn't yeah. Yeah, I think we were just a little bit. I don't know if we're surprised. You know, we just kind of held the puck a little bit too long, but then we uh, we adjusted, and then I thought we really did a nice job. I think JT's first shift that came, you know, he was involved. He hit him a bunch. It seemed like they were trying to maybe get under his skin, but he just kept it cool, which is, you know, that's what you want. Yeah, I thought he was a monster tonight. He's, he's been playing really well. Uh, JT's, you know, he's been great. His 2A game has been, you know, and I've been putting him against the top line most nights, and he's in his production. So he's been great. I thought PD. Was really good tonight too, and Hughes. I, I, the three leaders I thought were great tonight for us. This is the first time this group has won four games in a row this year. After the year they've had, do you get a sense that it means more to them right now? I don't know. I just think we're living in the moment. You know, every game, every practice. You know, we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves. You know, the next challenge is whatever the next challenge is. You know, um, that's the way you got to do it right now. You've been here and on the job for six weeks or so. They were so low when you took over. Just the morale, and, and I know you're not a finished product yet, yeah. but how different is this group now, do you think, than from when you took over? Yeah, I mean, l- this game is about energy and attitude. You know, um, obviously there's X and O's and stuff, but, you know, it's, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a great time for everybody. Uh, and I think that uh, guys are just kind of rebooting, refreshing, and, uh, you know, we're trying to build something. So that's the way you got to look at it. But they're, they're bringing that energy and attitude every day. That's what I asked them for to do six weeks ago. We ask you every night. I'm sure you won't get tired of talking about shorthanded goals. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, this is a – I remember a run we had in Arizona, like with uh, Richardson and um, Grabner. It was, like, unreal for a two. It's, it's almost the same thing with the, uh, with Millsy and even with Petey there. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's fine. Um, no problem. <laughs> sorry, with uh, with your end game tonight, um, obviously it probably got a little more interesting than you'd have liked. But 
see anything there that's <clears throat> worth being concerned about or even watching on video? No. I mean, uh, listen, they're, they're, they're going to dump the puck and they're going to they're gonna send the, everything in the kitchen sink. Uh, and we held it together, and then we got, you know, obviously that goal at the end. But, yeah, you know, it's, uh, no, not really. Um, unfortunate puck goes over the glass. No, I'm not worried about it. You seem really limited the amount of shots that the Suns got off yeah. tonight. How, how big is that in, uh, when you look at how this group is <clears throat> Well, it's just it, you believe in what we're doing. You know, when you look up and there's 12 shots, I don't know how much left in the second. It means, excuse me, everybody's gapping up and, the, the fence are, are uh, trusting the fours that they're backing the defensemen up. It's it's just you know it's a lot of different uh, trust factors. Um, you can't play this game if you don't trust your teammates, and uh, that's something we've really worked on the last six weeks is trust. You saw a lot of downs for Demko at the beginning of the season, but since he's been back, you've seen only ups. What, yeah, what is the mental game has impressed you? I mean, he's even when they scored the second goal, uh, you know, he came to the bench, he smiled like you know he knew he was in control. You know, it was a Love to get the shout out for him, but um, yeah, he's been. I mean, I don't know what happened in the past uh, this year. All I know is, that, like, I'm thank God I got him. He's a hell of a goalie, and he's a great. He's a he's a he's a leader too. He could d- easily put an A on his uh, his jersey for sure. You, uh, you had Ethan Bear on the ice this morning. You think he mm-hmm. might be an option for Monday night? <clears throat> might be a stretch. He's getting close. You know, he's getting close. Um, yeah, I know, uh, but he's getting close. I mean. I th- I don't know, but I'd, you'd, see, you'd think he'd be on this road trip, but I'm not 100% sure. Has been on the ice yet? Uh, no, soon? not yet. Um, soon, soon, yeah. Rick, with how your team has played of late, you've gotten big performances from your best players, and I know you've <coughs> complimented them, but yeah. the offense was sort of carried by Drysamon, uh, some of your depth guys. What have you learned about the depth that you have here since you took over? Well, uh, I've seen a, uh, a growth in Josh. Uh, Dakota Joshua, um, Almond, you know they've accepted their roles and uh, and I think they've done a terrific job. Um, you know Potsy has been, been nothing but a pleasure to coach. You know I wish I got him out there a little bit just because of matchups. I couldn't get that line out there as much as I wanted. Um, but the, the growth of those guys, they're the future of the Canucks, and we got to get those guys, you know, developed. And I thought this month they've they've made it, they've made strides. I think, and this is a big summer for a lot of guys if we're going in the right direction. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 win over the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, he gave a lot of credit to his big dogs, but also some um, love for Dakota Joshua and Vasily Podkolzin and even Kravtsov late there uh, in the media availability, but really called JT Miller a beast and talked about his three best players, his three late leaders Pedersen, Hughes, and Miller being great tonight. And he leaned on all three players significantly. We spoke and a lot Demko, of... And Demko said he could and, wear an A. Yeah, of course, Demko could. And, I mean, we talk about ice time. Pedersen played 24 minutes. JT played 22 Stop minutes. Stop reminding people. And uh, <laughs> Quinn Hughes, 28 minutes. But I'm saying he leaned on them heavily, and, yeah. and they were great. I mean, look at the responsibilities those players had tonight. And Pedersen also picked up an assist on the evening. And JT Miller had two points. Pedersen is now at 82 points on the season. Not bad. Fantastic. And, and JT's up to 60 points in 63 games, Vic. He's, like, is he going to – Is 20 and 17 possible? Then that would be 80 points. I'm saying, are you taking are you taking over under him being a point-per-game player? The rest of the way? Yeah, but no, being – by the end of the season, oh. he's going to be – like, he's three points under. Like, I'm saying he's going to oh. be point-per-game. He'll hit that. If not better. Like, the way, you're, the way he's playing right now, 
and like he can probably get like four points in one game. Some of the stuff playing. isn't even coming on the power play, which no, is the, like the big concern. It's coming shorthanded. It is, but in five on five, he had a primary assist five on yeah. five. The first one he set up for Vasily Podkolzin with good work behind behind the net to get the puck, winning a couple battles, and then great vision to find. Uh, sorry, finding Kuzmenko who scored the goal. Uh, to on the first of the season. I mean, uh, uh, of his first goal of the game, he had two on the evening. Andre Kuzmenko did, but JT was was really strong. You just look at the overall point totals too, and what him and Pedersen are doing, and Quinn Hughes also adds a helper on the evening. So these guys just completely stacking. The numbers have looked great all year for most of these guys. The reason with JT why it's being talked about is some of that production had kind of dried up, but now that you're seeing it come up, and it's not just the power play. I think that's what's also very encouraging about his play. And to some earlier textures point, it's get him the right style of wingers too. There's been some inconsistency there, right? PDG, the profile of PDG is playing fantastic. Ultimately, DJ Seppi's probably not going to be the long-term answer there, but Mikheyev could certainly be that style of player on that line and get a true sniper. Like the Brock Besser experiment continues not really mm. working, but long term, you find a winger to go there. Suddenly, if JT's playing this version of himself, uh, that winger could find themselves with plenty of opportunities. Like Kuzmenko was just on an exchange as the the lines were changing. Yeah, got one opportunity and buried it. That's JT's finding his guys, and I kind of joke with you. It's like he's he's just creating chances for fun right now because. They just seem to be flooding towards – the puck just seems to be flooding towards him. And then he's not wasting time anymore. No. He's trying he's to scan and overpass the play. It's just react, quick quick decisions. And the wingers are certainly getting plenty of benefit for it. No, they, they certainly have been. And if JT plays that way, he really can make an impact. If he can bring it into next year, play down the middle effectively, then you do have your one-two punch at least for the next couple of years. Dino texts in and says, I'll take the over on a point per game for sure. That's on JT Miller. Uh, and says, jokes for 60. Stop sharpening the Canucks skates now. Give Tank Nation what they want. That's Dino. And and says, who's this Al- Al- Almond guy? Taka keeps mentioning. Uh, and this Alms? text, Alms, yeah. yeah. And this one here from Devin and Yukon. Have you guys discussed Olmon's game yet? What a beauty. He's on the rise, getting better every game. And, yeah, Olms is what uh, Rick Tockett calls him. Strong game tonight. You know, had a goal, had an assist. And we talked about during the intermissions how he was the beneficiary of some great work by Quinn Hughes and Dakota Joshua on his goal. But he drives the net and he's able to tap in the loose puck. But makes a great play to J.T. Miller and a great play harassing the Brinkat, forcing the turnover, which leads to the short, shorthanded goal. And ever since coming back, Bick, he's really found more of a role here with the Canucks and even on the P.K., this looks very similar to where he was in the preseason, where day one at training camp was like, okay, there's something here, but let's wait and see. And every day in preseason, he got better and better and better and better. And look, it's preseason. That's why you take be a bit of a skeptic. But early part of the season, that carried over. He got better, and then you kind of hit that wall or teams start catching up to you, and suddenly it's a bit tougher. Go back down to the A, work on it. Now since he's come back, the first couple of games, I, I thought, okay, there's still some roughness around the edges. But keep getting better. Keep mm-hmm. getting that 1% better every single day. And he's done that. Tonight was probably far and away his best game since returning. And he was effective so much. Like, even before the Miller goal, he prevents Debrinkat from yeah. getting a nice shot off in the slot. PK, 
like they need to find PKers. More importantly, they need to find depth PKers. Yes. He's starting to be part of that solution. And then, obviously, you know, hounds the Brinkat, forcing that turnover, and then plays it well with JT Miller to convert that goal for JT's 24th of the year. And then gets his reward later, you know, tracks that play alongside Dakota Joshua, makes nice work to get towards the net, and there he is, Johnny, on the spot, but just a smart player, finding himself in the right opportunities and in the right spots on the ice right now. Really, he can still improve a number of things. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's only 23 years old, That's the right? Thing, right? This isn't a finished product. Yeah, has has a long way to go still, and I think offensively there are things he can do better, even defensively with his reads. But one thing he's going to have to really master if he wants to be that defensive center is the faceoffs. If he's going to be a center here, and if he's going to have any sort of inroads or make any inroads towards being a third-line center for this team, he's going to have to win draws. And one thing Atu Ratu has on him is his ability to win draws. Now, his pace isn't quite there. Oman's game's obviously more mature, and that's why you're looking at, at Ratu and saying maybe a year or two away from perhaps being that third-line center for this team, maybe, if everything aligns. Whereas Oman may have a shorter timeline to get there, but he's not going to get there unless he gets better down the middle. So, I mean, it's better in the face-off circle because that you're going to need that on the PK. You're going to need that if you're going to you know, lean on him in situational moments and not just have JT all the time. Does he only have one win tonight? Yeah, one. He yeah. had eight, eight, eight losses and yeah, one win tonight. 11% in the stuff. Yeah, and on the season, it's not exactly great for him, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about a guy who's in the 40% range uh, in face-offs. No, it's just under 38.4%. Like, it's even under 40%. That, that's something that's going to have to improve. But he's also one of the guys that you hear the coach talk about, got to get stronger and all that. And, and face-offs, a lot of it does come down to pure strength and being able to handle that role. If he does hone that stuff in, though, Bick, yeah. Could he be more than just a fourth-line center down the road? Could he maybe be a third-line center down the road? goes back to what we talked about, though, earlier. Are you checking boxes and roles that you feel confident with Stanley Cup? Can he get to a third line center? Like, I, I believe in everyone's potential. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you got to put the work into to get your potential. That would be his ultimate. That would be but the upside. Would of his he potential. be a high end third line center? I mean, it's it's easy, the easy answer is no. The reason I'll just give it some time. He's twenty three years old, sure. first time playing yeah. in the National Hockey League. We'll, we'll see what happens next year and the year afterwards. What can you develop into? But if you're getting to the stage as team success, Nozomo almost probably a fourth line center. Yeah, which is. Hey, like your team is having success. That means a lot of people are contributing in their roles. And that's like get to that stage before we start talking about all this other stuff because look what happens in the NHL and we've seen it with prospects in Vancouver and we've seen it with guys on the roster right now. You've got to run this tireless treadmill of getting better because talent is always coming into the organization. No, like absolutely. Brock Besser was locked on, nailed on, first line winger. And what's happened? Kuzmenko's arrived, and Bouvillier's arrived, and Mikheyev has arrived, and suddenly start looking around and all this new talent gets in because you were a struggling team and you needed to get better, so the players around you got better, and you start knocking down the depth chart. So handle what you can, but right now, like, get to that first level of strong fourth-line player. No, absolutely. I'm there with you. Uh, a lot of reaction on a text inbox, 650, 650. Uh, Oman, uh, Raymond says, makes me feel better that no matter no matter what happens and what we end up with at the draft, they will be adding another blue-chip prospect to this core. And two goals in the third for Ratu tonight. Raymond also chimes in. That's for the Abbasford Canucks. Uh, to Four Ratu. Two win, I think. Four, yeah, he's found his offensive game a bit more. So it's going down to... 
uh, uh, Abbotsford since being recalled here in Vancouver. Perhaps him coming to Vancouver was what he needed to kind of find some confidence to go back to Abbotsford and be more of a productive hockey player. And we're starting to see more and more of that from Atu Ratu, the player that Canucks acquired, of course, as part of the deal for Bo Horvat. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, and, and we'll get to more of your text message messages. On the other side, we'll hear from Canucks players, including Thatcher, Demko, and uh, JT Miller. And on Demko's play, Bick, I mean, I know we mentioned it before, too. If you're looking for reasons of, for optimism next season, then maybe the most sustainable thing about it and the thing you should feel good about is it maybe just Thatcher Demko's play and Stud. the fact that he showed, hey, what he showed early this year was just a blip. This is what who he is. And if that's who you're getting next year, is that the biggest key? He's back. Kind of <laughs> thing. Again, that's why we're so surprised at the results. Yeah. I thought it would be a gradual progression for Thatcher, for Thatcher Demko. He's picked up from last season's form from game one in his return. It's been absolutely sensational. We hear from him on the other side. It's Satyar Shaw and Bick Nazar. Canucks win 5-2 over the Ottawa Senators. We'll get to more of your thoughts as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central postgame show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in B.C. Only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Got it. Hit on the slot for Kuzmenko off the bench. To the backhand. He scores! The Canucks were relentless on the forecheck, and Andre Kuzmenko reaps the rewards with his team leading 31st of the year to give Vancouver a 1-0 lead. Canucks go on to win 5-2 over the Ottawa Senators here at Rogers Arena, and this is the Canucks Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks victors in four straight games, the longest winning streak of this season. It's Satir Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. And as always, your reaction is welcome, and we have a lot of fun with it as well. And, uh, you, you know, people are, up, of course, upset with the wins, but others people not as much. People are upset at everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, For instance, Kurt from Dawson. Yes. Why do you guys give people so much airtime who expect a billion-dollar company to take on a loser mentality? It's not possible to shut down Patterson, Hughes, Demko, Kuzmenko, Miller without serious consequences from the NHL and NHLPA. You know why we give people time? Because all your opinions are heard here mm -hmm. on the postgame show. No, they, they are. I mean, uh, all of them are. They're, they're always heard. We're, we're going to critique them. And, yeah. and discuss every talking point. Sure. But uh, no one's uh, shying away from their takes in the inbox. Uh, Don and Bella Bella, I don't ever want to hear say anyone say they traded the wrong guy. Miller scores, PK, power play, assists, hits, fights. I say they kept the right guy. Uh, and this one, unsigned. Uh, these last few weeks have been some of the best hockey they've played all year. I, for one, am enjoying it. And Lloyd, isn't it fascinating how this Canucks team plays remarkably in mean-nothing games just like they did last year, Rocco also saying that as well. So yeah, a lot again, of those we, we provide all the opinions. Hey, all we can do is read the texts that come in, and a lot of them are what they are. I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's just a reality. And, and you know, this one says, "You two bozos are nothing but gas bags. Spend less time trying to be coaches and more time talking to your listeners." I mean, I think we are talking to our listeners. Nonstop texts, man. Nonstop texts. 
650, 650. I love that when, when that comes in, like on the run of a bunch of phone calls and text messages as well. Uh, this it. one, if you want to entice potential free agents in the offseason, it's not the worst thing for them to show that they can compete with what they have right now. Nobody wants to sign with a dumpster fire unsigned text. Yeah, f fair enough. I think having some stability does matter. Ultimately, two things matter. One is money, and the second one being, do you have a place that they think you can actually win-win? You know, those are the things that matter. But more than anything, it's opportunity and money. It, you know, guys want to play. They want to get paid. Money where drives can everything. I, where can I go to play and get paid? Now, the great players, they have their pick of the litter. They can go wherever they want. A lot of guys kind of have to pick and choose. And if you provide those two opportunities, generally, you can have success in free agency. And that's what does matter. I, would, I, wouldn't over, I don't want to overstate. What, like, I like what they're doing here, Vic, right? And if anything, we've fought back against some of the notions of this is completely meaningless. What's the whole point of doing any of this? But I'd want to stop short of being like, oh, like on the right track, figuring this stuff out here. Like, hey, like, you know, th this is a team now that knows what, what it looks like to win and they know exactly what to do. And, and this, this is a team that you can trust. I'm not going to trust anything until I see it in training camp and next season. I can be positive. We can be encouraged. We can talk about the improvements and the steps they've taken, and we can outline all that stuff. For me to believe it, i got to see it. And uh, we were talking to Yannick on Tuesday, and he basically said, I told you so. Like When, when you don't change the defense, you're going to get I told you so's. And that's the thing for me. They have to keep addressing the defense. Okay, It was tough last season. They probably should have been a bit more aggressive. But they played it out, and it becomes easier to move off OEL. It becomes easier to move off Tyler Myers as you let those deals get closer to their expiry or buyout windows open up for someone like Oliver ekman Larson. So I can understand the strategy, but yeah, it was fraught with peril. The idea that there was going to be the the end of season run they had last year was going to be able to carry over, but coming into this off season. Now injected Philip Peronic into it for next year, and what's the next step? How many more D men? Is it one? Is it two? Get thrust into like qualified D men can get pushed into this lineup, and if that happens, suddenly you match talent with scheme and system, then you can start seeing improvement. Yes, Rick Tockett's not going to turn some of these players into Norris candidates. Okay, they're meeting a baseline, they're surviving, but. Come the start of the season when everyone's flying and they're all charged up and adrenaline's and going. And the stakes are higher and they the, matter. And the stakes are constantly equal for everyone. I think some of these guys might start dipping their head below water. Yeah. So now you got to get that talent in there to start thriving. Exactly. And that's how you take that next step. Marcus and Gibson's, it's anti-tank now. It used to be called playing spoilers. Marcus and Gibson says it's now anti-tank. Yeah, it, uh, the, the verbiage does change with time, especially with uh, how people are looking at the draft lottery and how to build teams through the draft and the wads of higher draft picks. Uh, something else you want to get in here, Bick, before we get to Thatcher Demko? No, let's get to Thatcher Demko. All right, Thatcher Demko, incredible between the pipes yet again uh, for the Vancouver Canucks, and here he is speaking to the media after a 5-2 win over the Suns. Oh, I mean, I'm, I always want to get better, so I feel like I'm playing well right now, you know, seeing the puck. I mean, the team's been playing great, like, these last two games. Holy cow. Um, so that's why it's nice, you know. Um, so I mean, it's it's just fun to be back. Obviously, it's it's always a lot of, a lot more fun when you're winning games. You know, the, the vibe in the room is is energetic and um, you know, joyful. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. What's happened to the team in front of you? You know, it was a 31st 
uh, place team defensively not that long ago. And now it seems night after night it's playing a pretty conscientious, structured game, not giving up nearly as much. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously they were putting work in when I was out, um, which I wasn't around for. So um, who knows, maybe I'm just reaping the rewards of, of the guys working hard all year. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it looks great. Um, you know, I think especially the PK, like, that's so big to have. Um, and I think our confidence there in that area is probably the best it's been in two years now. So um, just to keep building on that. And, um, you know, I think guys are playing the right way. So it's good. That confidence on the PK, is that where those uh, shorties are coming from? Probably. <laughs> Rick's talked a lot about the uh, importance of these games down the stretch to help build a foundation for next year. Do you get a sense that that foundation is being built? Do you want me to hold this one? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I we had a team meeting um, not too long ago, and um, you know, I I spoke up, and a lot of the guys were saying the same thing: is you know, let's not let this you know last third of the year, quarter of the year, whatever it was, whatever it was, uh, go to waste. You know, we we wanted to make sure that we were building in the right direction and, and making these games count in, in some way. And um, you know, I think our game is building right now. I think you know, the better that we can do. Uh, to finish this year, the, the habits that we can create, the culture that we can kind of set a precedent for is, is all going to carry over to next year. And, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that, that we have the pieces in here. Um, I mean, you guys know that. There's, my name was floating around there, and I don't know where those rumors were coming from, but, you know, I want to be here, and I believe in this team. And, um, you know, the way we're playing right now is uh, it's encouraging for, for not only, you know, the group right now, but uh, for the future too. You're now on your longest winning streak season as a team as well what does that mean to you guys and to get the wins in this building too yeah it's great um you know like I said that's just that's playing the right way and I think you guys can see it we can definitely feel it in the room I think there's a, a buy-in that's going on right now it's great um you know when a, a few guys do it and then a few more and then you know you get the whole team playing like that for 60 minutes like that was you know maybe they had a little uh, auto had a little jump there you know the first five minutes but after that, it was just, you know, I felt like we were in control the whole game, and that's just playing the right way. So, um, yeah, it's contagious when everyone's doing it, and, and it looks, looks good. You talked about the defensive play in front of you. How impressed are you with the guys that have come up from Abbotsford and the job they're doing in particular right now? Yeah, I mean, it just it goes to show you, like, there's good players everywhere. Um, you know, it's been like that my, my whole career. As you see guys um, that spend, you know, the first half of the year in the American League and, you know, they get their number called and, and they come up and they fit right in. And, um, yeah, those guys have been great. I, I've known a lot of those guys for a lot of years, especially uh, Breezewa. You know, I've, I've been with him since his rookie year. And, um, you know, I've always thought he's a, he's a phenomenal player. So anytime he's up here, I like playing with him. Um, and the other guys, too, they've been great. Uh, that is Thatcher Demko after the game. And some inter interesting thoughts from him. Number one, if you want to blame anybody for the Canucks for screwing up the tank, blame the players. Hold, uh, holding a players-only meeting saying, we can't let the final third of the season go to waste. And we Sad. can't just play this way. You're saying that as if people aren't already <laughs> blaming the players. <laughs> well, they're trying to blame management, too, and like the coach and everything. It's like The players, they're, they're the ones saying, not on our watch. This high pick isn't happening on our watch. Text again, like, why don't they score on their own goal? It's like, what? <laughs> why are uh, the players trying? Because <laughs> they're professionals. <laughs> yes. And yeah, look, people are gonna be like, oh, they were, they were professionals at the start of the year. I get it. Yeah. But but there's your goldie saying we had a team meeting. Yeah, we had a team meeting, and this is unacceptable. We're not gonna we're not going quietly into the night. That's not happening.
you know what? Like the pest, like the uh, the cynic in you is like, it's always when it's easy. You guys do mm-hmm. this. Like, what do we criticize them for the last couple of years for being great? Valedictory, like these guys have a lot of good speeches. Like their post game interviews are better than their performances on the ice. Like in terms of accountability and doing right. everything. Like we we literally talk about. Like I've heard this before, right? They talk the talk, but didn't walk it. Yeah. So that's where the skepticism. I got that right. Yeah, he did. Oh, okay. Uh, that's where the like raised eyebrows. The cynicism come. Can, I can understand the cynicism from people being like, we've heard this before. Like you, you guys talk tough when it doesn't matter, yep. when it's over, and everything. Like like prove it at the beginning of the season. That's ultimately where it comes from, but I think it's just one basic thing here, Bick, and you kind of nailed it early on. This is athlete's nature. This inherent athletic nature of no matter what, guys are going to try to win when they go out and play, no matter what happens, right? And if they have to rally around winning meaningless games, by God, they're going to do that to get through these final, you know, eight, 17 games remaining after this, after this one here tonight. Competitiveness is not a faucet. You can't just, like, turn it on and away you go. They're, it's it's inherent in their nature that this is what they do. They take a pregame nap, they have a coffee, bring it to the rink, and they're creatures of routine. They're not going to change that to say, hey, when I show up to the rink tonight and people are paying money, I, I still have to go try. And when, when we talk about tanking, people want the certainty of results, and it's a probability estimate. You come into a game and you say, hey, they got to – 41% chance to win this game. It's still a chance to win the game. They're still going to try to take that opportunity to try to win it. And, yeah. th- and that's the thing. It's like they've done all they can. We talked about not all, not, maybe not all they can, but they've made selling tight transactions. After that, it's kind of let the chips fall where they may with what they have. And right now they're winning four in a row. And it's 10-7-2 uh, yeah. since uh, – now they have Rick a winning Tockett. yeah. Now they yeah. have a winning record since Rick Tockett took over. Uh, ten wins, nine losses, with two of those in extra time. So they're up a uh, number of points. So over five hundred now under Rick Tockett as the real head coach. 500. Real five hundred, actually over real five hundred with Rick Tockett as the head coach. Not on the season, of course. Uh, the other thing uh, Demko mentioned was he wants to be here. Doesn't oh, yeah. know where that yeah. stuff started in terms of uh, rumors and where he wants to go or whatever. But this is where he wants to be. And he's playing like it as well. So he's taken every opportunity since coming back to make it very clear he doesn't want to get traded, and he's very happy here in Vancouver. And really quickly, Andrew and Langley, 650-650. No reason to talk uh, – no, sorry, no reason to tank when you're not even guaranteed the first pick. Implement good systems, work hard, and have something to come into next year with. Rick's the man. He's doing a great job, and uh, I love it. Thanks, Andrew and Langley. All right, uh, g- good messages coming into our text inbox. Now, a player who's been discussed quite a bit tonight, scored a goal, had an assist, is JT Miller. And here he is meeting with the media after the Canucks win 5-2 over the Sens. Yeah, it's another ballsy win for our group. Uh, continuing to go in the right direction as a team. You know, zero goals for the majority of the game, and they didn't get a whole lot. Of, um, obviously, they got a couple at the end, but uh, we should be proud of our effort against a team that, like I said before the game today, that's going to be one of the... I think harder games for us the rest of the way with that that team on that much of a roll and fighting for their playoff lives. So it feels good to beat them. They're a good team. Another shorthanded goal. Are you guys just feeling it when you go out there on the PK it's right now? It's just a matter of catching the breaks, honestly. You get a chance for two-on-one, you get to make a play. I mean, Brink is not a defenseman. We got gifted a two-on-one, and he pretty much fell. So it's uh, not looking for him. They're just kind of falling on our tape right now. Felt like they came pretty hard at you right in that first shift, a couple big hits. What's that, sorry? Just the first shift. Felt like they came right at you pretty, pretty hard. 
Yeah, I mean, I was. Oh, for sure. I mean, I had uh, two or three hits in the corner, and then they chuck and hammer came right at me. I mean, that's it got to like in the, you know in my mind in a game like that, the tone has to like it's a playoff type game for everybody, and uh, you know, I, like we said a million times, that gets me into the game more, so I can help. Four wins in a row for the first time this year. What does that mean? Yeah, it's good. You know, we uh, talked about it before the game. We haven't done that yet this season, so it feels good for us, and we'll add it incentive, and you know, we'll enjoy it. Today, day off tomorrow, and then get right back at it because we want to keep this thing going. It feels good in here. And not just to have that many wins in a row, but to win games on home ice too after you guys yeah. struggled inside this building. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. It's nice to have them cheering for us and not giving them reason to boo us. And, uh, you know, we feel good about the, our performance. You know, win or lose in games like that, you know, you play the right way. You know, a lot of times you're going to come out, you know, come out on the, uh, on the winning side. In terms of playing the right way, you're not giving up as many goals as earlier in yeah, the Yeah, we're season. defending hard and we're in our structure. I mean, so many times today we had so many good sticks in our defensive structure to get pucks out of the zone. And um, every, when there was a breakdown, Denver was there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're buying, everybody's buying into the, the right way. Uh, that is JT Miller after two-point performance tonight, a goal and an assist, helping the Canucks win 5-2. And to talk about that and more, it is time to bring in our closer to man we call the triple threat. You see him on TV, you hear him on radio, you read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. I think I got a better JT Miller quote. Oh, oh wow. wow. I love it. I can't wait. Shots to fired. Oh, my. That was like stereo from you guys, both <laughs> simultaneously, <laughs> like an old married couple. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. In perfect unison. It's been one too many post-game shows. Uh, I, we're, we're, we're also buying in because Cam's here today, so it's like we're buying in. We're yeah. hitting our stride. We're uh, playing with good structure. Okay. Now, can I, can I say shit? On the radio? Well, you Apparently. did now. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> it's after 11. Uh, isn't there some delay that, uh, I mean, Cam Bear is here. I thought there was some delay. Is there no fail safe? <laughs> oh, my goodness. The risk. <laughs> the risk. Well, it's it's a direct quote. From JT. I mean, you could say, and I quote, you can say, I mean, we did this, this at, the direct quote. at the draft. It's not at, me. At the draft on during the draft coverage, I read an S word <gasps> about Bill Guerin. Because he said about Cam Talbot. Oh, that's right. And I read, and I quote, and you're allowed to, in okay. news, you're allowed to use profanity if you're quoting a principle that's in the news. So your S word had four letters? Yes. Let me think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I feel badly for having just No, it's fine. You can, okay. you can, you can okay. say, okay. and I quote. So this is, this is J.T. Miller. Yes. Uh, because I was asking him about, you know, the first – few minutes of this game the Canucks weren't very good they were they were a little leaden and Ottawa was all over them and Demko had to make about three great saves and I I think up until two months ago if the Canucks started that way suddenly it would it would be freelancing all over the place because players uh, would be thinking oh look at this momentum I got to do something we got to do something and they'd make it worse so I asked JT Miller about that and he said, quote, when the shit hits the fan, we have a structure to fall back on. They're going to get looks. Mistakes are going to happen. Turnovers are going to happen. But like everybody, just do your job. I feel like lately, everybody's just doing their job. Something's going to happen. You're going to need your goalie. But let's not compound the mistakes. We're not giving up nearly as many big chances mm -hmm. and he went on to say as did a couple other players I spoke to that basically they forced the Ottawa Senators into making the kind of mistakes that the Canucks mm -hmm. used to make and they didn't really say that 
the Canucks used to make, but I'll say that. But yes. they, they said we, we didn't crack and we just kept playing, you know, to our structure and forced them to make mistakes. If, if you don't make mistakes, eventually the, the opposition will make some mistakes. Just wait for them to make mistakes. That's what the opposition did to Vancouver. They just waited Vancouver out. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems a pretty good strategy for Vancouver lately. Yeah. Uh, you know, Miller said that he also said all all the offense they're getting right now is from the other team making mistakes. And, you know, maybe most of the offense in the NHL is generated that way. But it's been a long time since we've seen the Canucks play with this kind of uh, structure and discipline. And we knew that this was what the objective was when they made the coaching change. Um, but I'm I'm astonished that they've been able to get to this point uh, already. And, it, and it's, yeah, it's garbage time. But look at what the Ottawa Senators were playing for tonight. Look what mm -hmm. Nashville was playing for the other night. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs last Saturday. Uh, Boston Bruins the Saturday before that. Boy, it's been a, a run of good Saturdays. Yeah, it's been fun Canucks, Saturdays. It? Yeah, well, it wasn't for a while, but now it is. Yeah, I mean, so so these aren't just teams that have have nothing to play for or are trying to you know fight to the bottom of the standings to to get the best ticket for the Connor Bedard lottery. And, uh, you know, Vancouver's, to me, is impressive. I know <laughs> I know it creates a whole big debate about why now and is this good and should we be able to enjoy this or not, but I think it's a guilty pleasure worth enjoying. That was a better quote. Um, <laughs> and the thing about it, too, is, like, we've talked about, like, what, three, four years going on? What's the identity of the team? And the reason why that's important is because when – things hit the fan, you need something to rely upon. And if they think that they have something to rely upon now that go back to your center and now you work outwards, like that's how you start solving problems when it gets heavy. And if they can figure that out now, that's a massive first step. Because last year was, what's the identity? Thatcher Demko's in goal. He's going to save us. If they can solve it in front of them, that helps. Yeah. I mean, they had some positive things last year uh, offensively. And certainly, you know, the 57 games under Bruce – the team was was very successful and it led to a false belief that they'd have the same success this year or could have the same success playing that way was it a false belief though because even at the end of your pressure they were asked like what's the identity and they said that yeah. Demko. yeah i guess i guess maybe rutherford and alvin were trying to tamp that down mm -hmm. you know at the end of the year i don't know how successful they were because the moves they made in the summer certainly were of a team that thought it would be going to the playoffs um, but I think, listen, you don't have you, you don't have to be Scotty Bowman to look at the way this team is playing, or and look at the way the team played at the end of last year to know that you have a lot better hope of success and sustainability playing mm -hmm. playing this way. Now, it's only been ten games. I mean, incredibly, um, you know, the seventeen games before those ten, the Canucks allowed four or more goals fourteen times. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that long ago that they were uh, still fairly inept. Um, now, it, a lot of that had to do with the penalty killing, and a lot of that had to do with the goaltending. And we've we've spoken that, you know, in my opinion, for a while, the Canucks were basically down two goals at mm -hmm. the start of every game because yeah. their special teams were going to cost them one and the goaltending was going to cost them one. And so you know, not many teams are going to have success if you're if you're too behind at the start. But you know, the way they're they're playing and of course the 
penalty killing is unbelievable. And it, not just that they're killing a lot more penalties, but how much they're scoring. You know, I've now outscored mm-hmm. the opposition 7-5 on this 7. Sorry, outscored the opposition power plays 7-5 with their penalty killing during this 10-game this ten game run. But even at 5-on-5, five five, just look at, you know, w- what did the Canucks give up tonight other other than those couple of early chances. Mm-hmm. And at, by the end, there's 20 shots against. Yeah, there's two two late goals. One of them was a fluke. Uh, the other one, Demko didn't see. Um, but they're just they're just so much better defensively than than they were, and that that gives them some hope for the future. Well, it does, and as long as you're able to keep building on these things, well, right? you that's have what to, it, right, and that's right. that's just a reality, and, right? And and that's going to be the thing. Like no matter what happens between now and the end of the season, and I'm already wrong because uh, I said when the change happened and we talked about was well, there going to be a talk at bounce like there was a Bruce bounce and uh, I, I said well the, you know my opinion was well the team's definitely going to play better and they're going to adjust but they just don't have enough good players right now you look yeah. at the injuries you look at the number of guys they have up from the minors they're not going to have that kind of run so already in the at least in these last 10 games I'm I'm wrong about that but no matter what they do between now and the end of the season there's going to be some wariness coming into next season. Is that is that reality? Is it is it really sustainable, mm-hmm. or or if it is sustainable, will they actually sustain it? So there's going to be some some skepticism about that because of what happened last year. Yes. And what did not happen at the start of this year, but uh, it just seems to me like they're the way they're playing now. Um, you know, Tyler Myers, for instance looks like an NHL player again uh, and and you know I, I'm not saying a superior NHL player I'm not saying a top yeah. four but he looks like an NHL player they've they've got all kinds of guys who were in the minors who look like steady NHL players how is that possible well because there's now some structure mm-hmm. there's support around it's not it's not every player for himself anymore no, it's not, right? And one of the things that's also been evident here throughout how they play down the stretches, players finding some roles for themselves. And I think Dakota Joshua is a guy that is playing a lot better. Niels Olman's a guy that's playing a lot better. And if you're looking at, okay, who are some players here outside of the obvious ones we've spoken about who can maybe do something? Are we seeing some stuff from those two guys in particular where they can maybe be part of at least the supporting cast moving forward? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Amon is going to have to be because they just traded Curtis Lazar. Mm-hmm. You know, he's and he's a rookie, so he's uh, very much going to be, you know, their checking center uh, for the foreseeable future. Whether that means on the third line or the fourth, but we, you can see what he's uh, suited to. And Dakota Joshua, the only reason I I I'm don't as enthusiastically say absolutely is, is because he's already had some time in the league. He's not he's not like Amon yeah. who's just arrived from Europe and is is learning more week by week. Joshua's already been here a while. And even even under um, even under Talkit, he's he's had, you know, some inconsistencies. He's had his ice time and roll go up and he's had his ice time and roll uh, clawed back. But when he plays the way he did tonight, uh, 
absolutely. You know, a, a guy who can move like that has some physicality to his game. Doesn't take, but you know, doesn't take bad penalties, even though he's a physical yeah. player, and has that kind of uh, mobility and skill set to contribute offensively. Uh, absolutely, there's uh, there's a place for him in the future. But he now has to, you know, show that he can he can do this regularly. But I think there's other guys as well, like Guillaume Brisebois, who I wrote about yesterday on on the off day day mm -hmm. for the Canucks. I mean, he's he's not here just as a filler at the end of the season. Like he's now going to have a chance next year to be part part of this NHL roster. Yeah. Um, well, Lannan's a little different because he's uh, again he's been around longer. He's UFA too. He's a UFA, um, although potentially so was so was Brisebois. But there's a history, a really interesting history there with the club. But. Um, you know, Sheldon Dries. I think Sheldon Dries has been here long enough now, mm -hmm. and he scored a nice goal tonight, and he works hard every game. I'm I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, an NHL regular with the Canucks from now on, but he certainly has put himself in the position to have a head start in the audition for that mm -hmm. because he's he's done well, and he's here, and he seems to have adapted. He did well under Bruce. He seems to have adapted to talk it. Um, you know, there's there's several guys like that through the lineup. It's not nearly as as threadbare as it had appeared, but th that's because of the structure. If if it was a free for all again, then a lot of these players that we're talking about would not look nearly as good, and you'd be wondering, well, where are they going to find enough players? You know, when when you have this kind of structure, sometimes you can find them from within, and maybe that's what we're finally seeing uh, out of their player development and minor league system. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's been s some good going on in Abbotsford, and they're well, going to be making a playoff push this year. Yeah, so. and, and let's remember, Niels Hoaglander is still in yep. Abbotsford. Jack Rathbone is is still in the American Hockey League. There, There's other guys who have a chance to play. Now, you know, it'd be nice if they had Elias Pettersson, uh, another Elias Pettersson in, in the American Hockey League or, or you know, really high-end prospect impactful prospects they just don't have those but they do seem to be doing something right based on what we've seen of Oman and Pod Colson in particular since they came back uh, from from the American Hockey League they seem to be doing something right in Abbotsford right now with conditioning and teaching these guys and maybe there's a couple more who can help next season. Yeah, and next season is going to be very fascinating with how the Canucks fare coming out of the gate and how fans feel about what's happening the rest of this season. But, you know, we still have 17 more games to go to the end of this year. We'll see how many more the Canucks win. Four games in a row. He's Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. Bick Nazar back on at People Show on Monday. And what's happening on Monday? Brendan Batchelor and the Billboard. All right, Billboard and Brendan Batchelor. That's coming up on Monday. I'm Satyar Shaw. Back on Canuck Central with Dan Ricci on Monday. Thanks to Canberra and Ben Bastrom producing the shows here. This has been the Canuck Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.